Welcome to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. My name is Susie. I'm an American Gen X woman living in Berlin, a martial artist, violent crime survivor, and the founder of Pretty Deadly Self-Defense. And I'm Tavia Benjamin, a.k.a. TSK Benjamin, a millennial Jamaican woman living in Kingston. I'm a poet, author of the book Words Beyond the Page, and a social entrepreneur. We're exploring the kinds of violence women around the world face, the different ways we defend ourselves on a daily basis, and of course, sharing self-defense tips and techniques as we go. If there's anything you'd like us to explore, send us your questions and comments to hi at teamprettydeadly.com. We'll put the link in the show notes. Ready to kick ass? Yep. Okay, let's go. Hello, Tavia. It's good to be back again. Hey, Susie. How are you feeling? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am good. I'm good. It's nice and warm in Jamaica. But but isn't it always? Sometimes it gets a little chilly, but yes, it's always warm. <laughs> okay, what's a, what's, a, what's a little chilly for you? All right, to be honest, we don't even measure in degrees. So if you ask me what, de- what degree it is, <laughs> I have no idea. The temperature is either hot or chilly. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the honest answer okay. <laughs> okay fair enough so we know that it's hot it's the hot season right now mm-hmm. so I'm trying to figure out how to get into this because that was a nice intro and now I can't quite smoothly move into I mean uh, do we normally talk about self-defense in familiar situations or is that something that's taboo It's not taboo, but it's something we haven't talked about that much. And I'm glad that you brought it up. So I was trying to find a segue from the weather to the situation, but you just stepped right in, which is a much better approach, I think. Um, Yeah, we talked about this in one episode in the first season, I think, that the co-host at that time, Kate, had shared. And I, I can't even remember which episode it is now, but... It isn't something that we discuss very much, and it's something that I think we should. Certainly, we've talked about domestic violence and intimate partner violence in very general terms. And when I talk about self-defense, I'm often talking about self-defense as stranger-based violence, both the microaggressions that women experience just moving through the world, as well as the macroaggressions that we experience in times of more extreme danger. It is very often that we experience abuse in our own families, right? Or or maybe not even families, maybe just with friends. I think that misogyny is so deeply embedded in all of us. You know, even women have our own embedded, you know, internalized misogyny towards ourselves as well as towards other women, that we can also enter into abusive relationships with each other just as friends. True. Those can be emotionally, those can be psychologically abusive. Those can be sometimes physically abusive. Um, And certainly in our own families, whether it's with partners or with parents and siblings, we can experience a lot of violence there as well. Yeah. Sometimes in some cultures, that violence is actually part of the family. That's not considered something that's weird. True. That's interesting that you put it that way because it then can be viewed as more covert and covert in the sense that others don't view it as violence. Your own family members don't view it as violence. And so it's not talked about, it's not handled. And we don't even look at if it's physical 
emotional, psychological <laughs> violence mm-hmm. that is happening, and especially with emotional and psychological, which you can't see a mark somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do I tell you that my parent or a family member is psychologically abusing me right. or they're, they're emotionally abusing me? How do I say that to someone without them saying, oh, as a woman, I'm being too emotional about something or I'm being petty or I am not letting go of things? How do I get the help? How do I speak up about it? You know, it's I think it's something that it's it's important for us to talk about because there are a lot of people who experience this throughout their entire lives. Right. Since childhood straight into adulthood, they experience this emotional or psychological abuse or even scapegoating where Mm -hmm. they become victims of lies, abuse, violence, and no one is there to save them or no one is there to help them to protect themselves. Let me not even say save them, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're not taught to say, okay, how do I speak up about this? How do I protect myself? How do I defend myself against this? I mean, from your professional perspective, how would you approach this, especially in a family situation where most people would not necessarily want to physically defend themselves, mm-hmm. but how do they defend themselves otherwise from these types of abuses, especially those that you can't necessarily see a physical mark or a physical sign of it? Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's important to to start with when talking about this with other people who maybe do or have reached out to you for help or that we're, we're educating in some other way is to make sure that we don't define for someone else what their violence is, mm-hmm. right? Because this can really be a reality break for people and it, it can be very, very delicate. So you are raised in a family where you are the scapegoat, you are being abused in emotionally or physically or both, and you don't know that it, that it could be any other way, right? You think that all of these things are normal. And for someone else to come in and say, oh, but actually, do you know you're being abused? Is, I mean, that's how that, people don't do that anymore, professionals in the field, but that is how they used to approach it. And what happened was, is first, the person who's being abused is saying, no, I'm not. And they kind of dig their heels in even deeper because you're threatening their reality. Mm -hmm. And their norm. Right. And if you manage to convince them that, no, actually, these people that you love are abusing you and they're really horrible, it just, it creates such a break with reality for them. It's, it's It's really cruel. It's a really cruel thing to do. And it just compounds whatever it is that they're experiencing. So- When you suspect that someone is experiencing this or someone needs help expressing it, one of the most important things to do is to give them lots of space and to ask questions. Mm -hmm. We don't even, we want to be careful not to ask leading questions, right? So we don't want to lead them to the answer we want them to have, Mm -hmm. but to simply ask questions like, do you sometimes feel this way or do you feel that way? One of the things that people in family abuse environments do is they tend to create chaos for the the target, right? So that that person never really knows what's right or what's wrong. They never really feel sure inside themselves one way or the other. So they can be gaslighted. Right, and because they're constantly being destabilized. Mm-hmm. So that's a good question to ask. You know, do you ever, do you feel stable? You know, or do you, do you feel kind of confused a lot of the time? 
You know, mm-hmm. are there times when you feel more confused than others? That's interesting because I don't think, you know, someone in the middle of a situation like that, sometimes we have, we experience, or there are certain externalities that come out that we don't tie it to a situation. So mm-hmm. we have a certain way of doing things, or as you asked, we, we always feel confused about things or we're antsy or we are probably, you know, very defensive, but has our situation, whether it is our family situation or a friendship that we are nurturing, are there situations there that is triggering us to behave this way? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't make those connections between our attitudes and our environment. Exactly. I know for me, when I've been in situations with people that it, it took me a long time to recognize these patterns, that situations where they weren't healthy relationships for me. What I found was a constant sort of symptom with these types of people is I constantly questioned and I analyzed interactions all the time. You know, I said something, they had a reaction, and then it was, did I say the right thing? Why would they say this? Why would they do this? And I would spend hours and hours and hours Mm, trying to analyze Right. Trying to analyze why somebody said one thing or behaved in a certain way. And it took me a long time to understand that actually that is a sign right there that this is, for me, an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. And I say for me because I think it's also important to remember that it's really hard for people to accept that those who they love are hurting them. Yeah. Right. Nobody wants to believe that about the people that they love. And maybe the people that they love don't mean to be hurting them. Maybe they're working out their own cycles that they have no control over either. We don't really know one way or the other. The way that I like to think about it and the way that I present it to others is that this person just isn't a good fit for you. Yeah. That doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means that they're bad for you. Yeah. And I think that that helps alleviate the idea of like, you know, oh my God, they're, you know, the most horrible person on the world for everyone. No, it, you're just not, they're just not a good fit for you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes that extends to parents and life partners and siblings. And that sucks. It sucks to say like, yeah, you know, your parent may not be a good fit for you, but we, we are all born with our own personalities. Yeah. And that's what it really is. And it goes back to something I read recently where we spend a lot of time analyzing or looking at how others experience us and not enough time looking at how we experience others, Mm, mm -hmm. which is so important because if you're, if we look at, okay, how am I experiencing this person? Then we can be a better judge of whether they are a good fit for us or not, Mm -hmm. or within that time of our life, because it can be that right now, whatever it is you're going through, the stage at which you're at, whether the maturity or emotionally where you are. No, this person is not a good fit for you right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe later, Absolutely. but just not now. And it's, it's up to us to be bold enough and to really accept that, listen, I am important. My feelings are valid. My safety is important, whether it's emotional, psychological, physical safety. And I get to choose who is within my own space and who adds to that safety or not. It really is within our power to choose. And I think that's liberating if you if you also feel that and act within that thought that you have. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think it can be difficult to get to that point, though. You know, there's no doubt. No doubt. 
there's a lot, especially for women and girls, you know, again, there's a lot that we're told that, that we don't own about our own bodies and our own experiences in the world. Mm -hmm. There's many, many, many women all over the world who, because of the culture that they're living in says, you know, you have to have sex with your husband whenever he demands it, regardless of how you feel. Even if you say no, you have to do it. So uh, there's women who don't understand that they're actually being raped. Mm -hmm. Because it it is, it is perceived that rape is for someone we don't know. Exactly. So or it's, someone it's, who you have not. Yeah. Well, someone you don't know. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, but again, you know, to go in and, and to march into some woman's life and be like, guess what? You're being raped. By your you know? husband. <laughs> By your husband is really messed up. That's a messed up thing to do to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, but to guide people towards, you know, how, how does this make you feel? And, you know, what are the, what are the physical feelings you're having inside of yourself? You know, what are they guiding you towards? And, and, and allowing people to speak and allowing people to define those things for themselves is really, really important. That's true. When it comes to physical violence in relationships, whether it's with parents or partners, that gets a bit trickier. Parent violence it, it it's just it can be the norm because it's 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 seen as discipline quote unquote right and it can take a while for a kid you know a kid has to get to a certain point where they learn that oh it's not it's actually not all right that this person is hitting me Mm-mm. or doing whatever it is they're doing to me they usually learn that at school you know they talk to other kids and learn what their parents are doing and realize like oh wait this isn't right yeah. You know, that's good. There are children who are completely isolated and they're isolated for a reason because that parent doesn't want anyone knowing what they're doing to their kid. So those kids, you know, don't get to learn that in that same way. Within family situations, self-defense, you know, from just thinking about it doesn't always have to mean standing up to a parent or standing up to your sibling. It can mean walking away from the situation. It can exactly. mean distancing yourself, lessening communication to ensure that you are protecting yourself. And there is, in that case, nothing to defend yourself from <laughs> because the situations that will cause you to have to defend yourselves have not been lessened because you have taken steps to protect yourself from it. And it can, it, that can be hard to, to walk away from your family or to lessen the communication with them. But in some cases, for some of us, that may be what's most crucial for your own safety. Absolutely. But also, I mean, if you're underage and you're living with your parents. True. You can't just walk away, huh? You can. You can run away. Um, and <laughs> and there's, there's, there's places that can help you. True. But it's, it's even more dangerous for you. And that, mm-hmm. that we talked about, you know, rape as a tool of oppression and control. And, you know, the threat of an abuser saying, you know, you think you've got it bad here. It's even worse out there. For kids, um, that in some ways is very true because mm-hmm. kids don't have the tools and skills they need to survive in the world, in an adult world. Yeah. That's not to say that they should stay in an abusive environment, but they have some very different priorities that they have to look at. You know, am I going to be fed? Am I going to be safe? Am I going to have a roof over my head? So sometimes kids have to learn to negotiate those situations in a way that they get their basic needs met 
you know, for as long as they, as long as they need to stay in that situation before they can get out, you know, meaning when they're 16 or 18 or, or whenever it is, there are some kids who run away because it's, because it is. It's just life threatening. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's sad, but there's nothing wrong with them for running away. I mean, again, Mm -hmm. I go back to something I said in an earlier episode. It's, it's when you get to the point where you realize my life is in danger, the next True. time, you know, this person in my family loses their their temper, it's going to mean death for me. True. And, you know, in those situations where the parents are inadvertently abusing their child, and when I say inadvertently, and, and sometimes even deliberately so, but I'm talking about those parents who, what I call trauma parents, quote unquote. So they are projecting their own unhealed childhood traumas onto their child. And this comes out in different types of ways, whether it is physical abuse, whether it is emotional, psychological abuse. And in those situations, you know, if it is that the parent is willing to say, hey, I need some help, it's important for there to be facilities or arrangements that can help these parents to heal their own child, the child in themselves, Mm -hmm. so that they can parent their child in a way that is beneficial to them. And I'm working so hard, Susie, to start a foundation here in Jamaica that's called the TSK Benjamin Foundation. And the goal of it is just that, helping parents and caregivers to create a space that is high nurturance for children. And it will mean that children who experience these things and they experience the negative effects of certain types of parenting, they can get help to heal from mm-hmm. that. And parents who are projecting this can also get help so that they can parent in a better way. So where you are, in it, do you see that there are organizations or programs or even for Pretty Deadly, are there programs that can help parents in this way? Where we're talking about in familiar situations, how can children or a sibling or a daughter or you know, protect themselves in these kinds of situations. There are programs across Europe for that, as well as in the United States. I personally am not familiar with them because this is not my area of expertise, but I do think that it's a part of a bigger picture, Mm -hmm. you know, because all of these things, what I do with self-defense, violence against women, gender-based violence, legacy violence, you know, trauma-driven violence, all of these things, abusive parents, they're all part of a one big, very messy and ugly pie. True. And there's absolutely a relationship, but it's also, it's messy and it's ugly. So for me, it makes more sense to focus only on this one area because it's, that's the one that I happen to have expertise in. That makes sense. But that stuff does, ex- I mean, it, there are a lot of programs for that. I think what you're building in Jamaica for that is really incredible. Is there, where are you in that process? Are you, are you creating a center? Do you have a board of directors or where exactly are you there and how can our listeners help you? Well, right now I am in the process of finalizing the board. I've actually, I already have written a campaign that should be launching this And I'm collaborating with an organization who they provide therapy for teenagers um, and children. And so, I mean, the next step really is to get information even from professionals. So if your listeners or listeners who are listening to this podcast know if there are 
professionals who, in terms of child development, the effects of trauma on children's brains, how to help parents to not trauma parents, anything like that would be very helpful because there are some series of videos that we're working on that will help parents in this way, help them to identify those things that are negative towards their children and how they can thwart it. Helping, you know, not just parents, but even bystanders to understand the effects of trauma. And that would also propel them to do anything in their power to stop it or to help those who are affected by it. So that's where we're at. I mean, there is a, an Instagram page. It's not yet populated. It's sitting there waiting for all the goodness to come, the TSK Benjamin Foundation. So you can definitely, you know, follow that because I'll definitely be making up some updates on there when we are closer to launching. Okay. Well, we'll also put all the information to get in touch and support you in the show notes. So be sure to check those. Pretty Deadly Self-Defense is a self-defense program based in Berlin, but with coaches and trainers in a growing number of cities in Europe and around the world. If you want to join us just to take a course or to become a coach, a trainer, or even offer Pretty Deadly in your school or studio, let us know through our website at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com or find us through our app. Just search for Pretty Deadly Self-Defense in your favorite app store and download for free. And remember that all of our paid programs fund our volunteer work. So when you empower yourself, you're actually empowering another woman too. Thanks for being here. I'm Susie Collick, and you've been listening to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. See you next week.